Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Today, um, we're going to be sharing on the subject of divine healing. And my purpose today, I want to state this real clearly, is to build your faith. It's not to share something new or dazzling, but simply to build your faith. So I want to start in Colossians chapter 1 with verse 12. It says this, And with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has made you fit to have your share of what God has reserved for his people in the kingdom of light. Other translations say your share of the inheritance. You know, when, when, when somebody dies, it's a relative you're interested to find out, did they leave me anything? Do I have an inheritance? Well, when Jesus died, he left you an inheritance. Right? And the Bible says God has qualified you for your share of that inheritance. Now, what most Christians do is they're waiting until they die to get their inheritance. Right? In fact, I would say it like this, that most of us were brought up that Christianity was by and by pie in the sky. Right? When you die, whoo, it's going to be great. But right now, tough it out. Right? But I'm here to tell you that the gospel that Jesus preached was pie now. Not when you die, but right now. Right? The Bible says that you have been qualified for your share of what God has reserved for his people in the kingdom of light. And part of what he has purchased for you, part of your inheritance is healing. In fact, the, the psalmist David said this in Psalms 23. He said, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Now, how many realize your enemy is Satan and demon power and they aren't going to heaven? But that, what he prepared for you is in the presence of your enemies. And he says he prepares a table. When Jesus is in the New Testament is met by a Syrophoenician woman, he tells her that healing is the children's bread. I believe on the table that God prepares for you, there's healing. There's peace. There's direction. There's deliverance. There is righteousness. Now, the number one thing when it comes to healing that you need to understand to receive healing from God is to know that it is God's will to heal you. You need to believe it so that if somebody beats you up and you're just like a pulp on the ground, that pulp's going to go on. God wants me to heal. God wants me well. You need to know. Now, I understand that many people don't believe that because of what we see in the Old Testament. So I just want to address that for just a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, And all these new things, what things? New things are from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. God has given us the privilege of earning everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. For God 
was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Understand this, in the Old Testament, your sin was not paid for, and God judged sin. But when Jesus went to the cross, everything changed when Jesus came, right? Because God was working in Christ, but he wasn't working on Christ, he was working on you. And he is no longer holding your sins against you. In the Old Testament, God judged sin because sin had not been paid for. But everything has changed because God judged sin at the cross and he is not holding your sins against you. <coughs> John 1, 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In other words, God dealt with man completely differently in the Old Testament than he does in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was law. There was sin and sin was judged. But when Jesus came, everything changed. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15 to rightly divide the word of truth. Rightly divide. Notice what happened in the Old Testament, sin was judged. But at the cross, sin was paid for. Your sin was judged. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he that knew no sin, as Jesus, became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Speaking of Jesus, he is the express image of God's person. Different translations, I think, make it clearer. It says the sun perfectly mirrors God. You wonder what God is like? Look at Jesus. He is a perfect mirror reflection of God. That's why you've probably heard me say this. Jesus is perfect theology. You look at, how many of you have looked at stuff in the Bible and went, I don't get it. Me too. Right? You know what you need to do? Look at Jesus. Because Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus perfectly represents the Father. When you look at Jesus, it's like a mirror image of what God the Father does. Right? Uh, different translations. He is the reflection of God's glory, the perfect expression of his very being, the flawless expression of the nature of God, the exact representation of his essence. He is a perfect copy of God's nature, the exact presentation and perfect imprint of the Father's essence, the exact expression of of his, God's nature. What's God like? A lot of people think God's up in heaven. He's mad. He's got a big fly swatter waiting for you to step out of line. Get you. But that is not at all. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He is the perfect expression of God the Father. Matthew chapter four. So why so much difference in the Old Testament? Because sin came into the world. And sin had to be judged. It was judged through Jesus. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and disease among the people. 
Jesus really only did two things. He was preaching and teaching, and he was healing. Preaching and teaching and healing. Now, it says preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Part of the gospel of the kingdom is healing. Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. Now, notice the gospel of the kingdom, which is part of it is healing, right? It will be preached in all the world and then the end, right? That gospel of the kingdom that includes healing is for end times, not just the first century, but the 21st century. Verse 24, then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him, Jesus, all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. This is an exact representation of God. And notice, they brought to him all sick people. He healed them all. 17 different times in the Gospels, it mentions that Jesus healed them all. Now, Isaiah 53, and I want to start with the fourth verse. Uh, this, this, Isaiah lived literally 700 years before Jesus was born. But as a prophet, he looked, he looked through a prophetic telescope and he saw Jesus go to the cross and he saw what was going to happen. And my, my King James Bible says it like this. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. It mentions griefs and sorrows. Um, if you look at other translations, they're like the only ones, that, this one, King James, only one that talks about griefs and sorrows, right? There's better translations. The basic English says, but it was our pains that he took and our diseases were put on him. In the, the uh, 52nd chapter of Isaiah, it says that his vintage, his face, his appearance was marred more than any man. In other words, Jesus hardly looked human when he was on the cross. Marred more than any man. It wasn't just a whipping because he took our pains and our diseases. Someone said it this way, Jesus had elephantitis. Every sickness, every disease, it came upon him. And the Bible says you look at him and he did not look human anymore. Dr. Isaac Lesser says, but our diseases did he bear himself and our pains he carried. Marshall's translation, surely our diseases did he bear, our pains he carried. Another translation, brother mess. Yet surely our sicknesses he carried. And as for our pains, he carried the burden of them. And then the following verse, King James says, by whose stripes were healed. Lester's translation, through his bruises, healing was granted to us. Young's translation, by his bruise, there is healing to us. Moffat, the blows that fell on him have brought us healing. Brothermas, by his stripes, there is healing for us. Another translation, and we're healed by the punishment he suffered and made whole by the blows that he received, amplified, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. 
So there's really like, you look at your King James and it's one way and almost every other translation talks about your sicknesses and your pains and your diseases. But the Holy Spirit, the author of the Bible, I mean, you know, you're supposed to interpret the Bible with the Bible. Actually, in the New Testament, we find the answer. The Holy Spirit gives us the answer. In Matthew 8, verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the Spirit with a word. He healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses. Just like he bore the penalty for our sin, he bore the penalty for our sicknesses and our infirmities, our diseases. But to receive from God, James says it like this. He says, there's got to be no doubting. We've got to know that you know that you know. James says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. If we doubt, how much do we receive? Anything. We will not receive anything from the Lord. Years ago, um, don't try to figure out how this is. None of you know. Okay. But uh, there was a man who began to attend our church, and uh, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He was in the hospital. They, they didn't give him long to live. And he asked for prayer. And I went up and read to him James chapter 5. Shows that you don't know is any among you sick. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. If he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him. So he'd ask for prayer. So I go up and I anoint him with oil and I pray. And I barely said amen. And this is what he said. Well, next week when I die, he said, I want you to do my funeral. He says, and I want you to read Psalms 23, and I want you to read from John chapter 14. And he said, I want you to sing the old rugged cross, onward Christian soldiers. And he had three or four songs, right? Now, I'm just telling you, you don't get what you pray for. You get what you believe for. See, it's very possible to believe in healing, but not be believing for healing. Got that? You can believe in healing and not be believing for healing. And it's not enough to just believe in healing. You got to believe for healing. Now, Acts 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, notice it says everyone Jesus healed was oppressed of the devil. That doesn't mean they had an evil spirit. That means, it can mean, there are cases where that's the case, but most of the time, it's simply saying that sickness, sin, and death can be traced back to when Satan came into the world, right? But you have to believe it's God's will for you to be well. Listen, and you need to resist sickness and disease. You need to resist. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith, 
The word resist means to actively fight against. You cannot be passive. You have to say, this is not from God, and this is not going to be in my body. Sickness is not a friend. It's an enemy. Now, I have had people literally say to me, but you don't understand. God gave me this, and God is teaching me. People say, God, God has sent this because when I was young, I was bad. And now I'm paying for what I did. Now, if you really believe that God sent you this to teach you or that God sent you this so that somehow he's getting glory out of it, then why in the world would you go to the doctor to get out of the will of God? In fact, what you should do is throw away all your painkillers so you can get maximum benefit. (laughs) But in your heart of heart, I think everybody really understands that sickness and disease are not friends. They're enemies, right? They need to be resisted. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about seeking whom he may devour. Listen, he devours ignorant people. He devours people that are passive, that do not resist. Luke chapter 13. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Now, this particular sickness, the root cause is a spirit. Now, what she had, she says she's bent over and could no way raise herself up. If she had been examined by a doctor, they might have said she had curvature of the spine. But the reason, the cause, the root cause was a demonic oppression, right? Now, and and notice here, it mentions spirit of infirmity. Quite often when this is the case, if if, if that spirit is bringing a certain ailment, infirmity on the body, and that one gets healed, it just shows up someplace else. And if that one gets taken care of, it just shows up someplace else. You just can't seem to stay healthy, right? And in those cases, it can be a spirit of infirmity. When Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said, woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Let me say something. When sickness is demonic in its origin, there is is tremendous immediate uh, healing manifestation. When it's demonic, you'll see that the, the greatest instantaneous results when it's demonic. When it's not demonic, all right, Jesus said, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's a process, right? Immediately, there's a healing that takes place. The sickness is stopped, but the damage has been done, right? And the Spirit of God moves and the healing power of God comes and restores, but it's a process. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. James 5, right? Anoint him with oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. Process, right? When it's healing, it's process. It's process. Usually at that point, you begin to amend. In fact, Jesus uh, heals a, 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 man, a, a son of a rich man, who came, noble, who came to him. And the Bible says it this way, what hour did he begin to amend, begin to amend, process. 
When it's demonic, you'll see the greatest immediate, um, how we say it, manifestations of healing, right? So Jesus lays his hands on her and says, you're loose of infirmity immediately. How long did it take? Immediately. Why? It was demonic. The, de- the demonic was dealt with, and immediately there was a huge difference immediately. Right? Again, when it's process, it's healing, it's typically not demonic. It's a process. Right? You're, okay, you're, you're loose of your infirmity. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation and said, <laughs> because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, he said to the crowd, there's six days in which you ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed in them and not on the Sabbath. The Lord then answered and said to him, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Now, notice Jesus gave the reason that she ought to be healed because she's a daughter of Abraham. Now, the Bible says this in Galatians 3.29. If you are Christ, how many of you are in Christ? Then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If she ought to be healed because she's a daughter of Abraham, if you're in Christ, you ought to be healed because you're a son or you're a daughter of Abraham. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, right? Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon who? the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. I've had people say, well, that healing, that's just for the Jews. No, 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 no. It's for the Gentiles that the blessing of Abraham might come on whom? On the Gentiles, right? Now, the the promise, it's mentioned here, the promise or the blessing of Abraham, that promise was given to Abraham, by the way, in Genesis chapter 15. That's where it's given, right? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us there exactly what it is. One thing Jesus mentions is this. He calls the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father. And again, in Galatians chapter 3, it's mentioned that this is part of the blessing of Abraham. The promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But what actually happened in Genesis chapter 15 is God makes the promise right? To Abraham and his seed. Now the Bible says not seeds, many, Galatians 3, but seed one who is Christ, right? So the promise is to Jesus and to Abraham and to his seed. If you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed. So all of the promises that are made in Genesis 15 are for you. And by the way, you find them in the New Testament under these headings, in him, in whom, in the beloved, in Christ. You will find out all of those promises that are made. So in Genesis 22, God tests Abraham to make sure 
that Abraham is going to hold up his part of the covenant. Because God's going to give his son. He's going to give his son on Mount Moriah as a sacrifice. Abraham needs to be willing to give his son. So God tests him to see if he'll do it. He passes the test. Genesis 22, 15. The angel of the Lord spoke from heaven a second time to Abraham and said, I swear by God's sure word. How many ever heard somebody swear? All right. Now God swore. Right? But God didn't say, use his name in vain. All right. But because there was nobody greater to swear by, you know who he swore by? The Bible says he swore by himself. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it says there's two immutable things that take place here. And it's referring right back here, Genesis 22. Number one, God can't lie. And number two, he swore. And he swore by himself. So you say, what does that mean? That means if God does not do what he said, he's not God. Literally, the universe would like explode if God did not do this. So I swear God's sure word, because you have not gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear, dear son, I'll bless you. Oh, I love this. Oh, I can just hear God's voice going, Ooh, oh, how I will bless you. Now, I want you to think about that. We're talking about the God that created the universe, right? The God who said, let there be light, right? And galaxies leaped into existence. That's the God who says he's going to bless you. And when he decides to bless you, he's got some stuff in mind. Again, we talked about where it is. You'll find it all through the New Testament. If you be Christ, you are Abraham's seed. Now, the Bible says that what Christ did is he redeemed you. He redeemed you from the curse that the blessing of Abraham, Genesis 15 and Genesis 22, would come upon you. Now, the curse of the law that he redeemed you from, in its fullness, is found in Deuteronomy 28. Let me give you a little bit of it. The Lord will send upon you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you're destroyed, until you perish quickly. Right? Now, this is before Christ because sin had not been judged. Your sin was judged, and you were redeemed from this. So here it goes. What is included? Vexation, rashes, seizures, confusion, panic, dysentery, consumption, cancer, pestilence that cleaves to you from which you cannot be healed, fevers, infections, boils, hemorrhoids, incurable diseases of all kinds, senility, insanity, blindness, fear, panic, tumor, ulcers. You're unable to find your way. You cannot be a success in life. Boils from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Malignant and incurable diseases. Perpetual plagues or generational plagues. Things that pass down from generation to generation. Also, and I quote verse 61, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book. Now, we probably hit yours, but just in case we didn't, anything that's not written, it's included. So it's all sicknesses written and all sicknesses not written, and that's all of them. So Christ redeemed you from how much? All 
sicknesses, and disease. That the blessing. Mike, you're not just redeemed from something, you're redeemed to something. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. And that is exactly where we are. So I'm going to have us make a confession in a minute. We're not done. But I want you to just make a confession with me. Repeat this. It says, Jesus redeemed me. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. I'm blessed. Healing belongs to me. God's will for me is healing and health. Jesus bore my sicknesses and carried my pains. No evil will befall me, nor plague come near my dwelling. Because God has given his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. In my pathway are life, healing, and health. Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses so I don't have to. I thank you, Lord. You forgive all my iniquities and heal all my diseases. I thank you. You give me authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Satan's under my feet. Sickness and disease are under my feet. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Now, one more thought before we... Keep going. Revelation 19 and verse 10 says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In fact, in the Hebrew, the word testimony, its root literally means to repeat, to duplicate, to reiteration, to say again, to do again. Right? So the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when we hear what he has done, faith should come for him to do it again. And even more than that, when we hear what he has done, it literally produces or releases an anointing to receive what he has already done. In Psalm 78 in verse 1, it says, yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Next verse. They didn't remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the fields of Zoran. So here's what it's saying. He said they limited God because they didn't look at what he had done. They didn't see how he had delivered them from Egypt. They didn't look at how he fed them in the wilderness. They didn't look at how he opened the Red Sea. They did not look at what Jesus had done, excuse me, what God had done. And because of that, they limited God. In other words, when you see a testimony, in fact, David said it this way. He says, your testimonies are our inheritance forever. In other words, every testimony of what God has done belongs to you. It's your inheritance, right? It should do two things. Right? It should cause faith to come into our hearts to receive what he's done in the past again. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it's not just that. The testimony of Jesus, it's the spirit of prophecy. 
In other words, what he's done releases an anointing to do it again. So again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Different translations, let me give you a few different ones, all right? Instead of just limited, it said, and pained the Holy One of Israel. God wanted to do things, but he could not do them because they limited him. And by the way, the people who think whatever God wants to happen is going to happen, this verse should blow you right out of the water, right? Another verse says they limited God. The Amplified says they distressed God. Another translation says they provoked him. Another says they caused terrible pain to God. They grieved him. Another translation, they brought pain to the Holy One of Israel. Another translation, and they set bounds. They set bounds or limits to what God could do. Why? Because they didn't look at what he had done. Because what he had done was a precursor of what he wanted to do. Remember what it says back there in the Old Testament. Another translation says they offended the Holy One of Israel because they didn't remember what he had done for them in the past. Most of you remember last year, actually, I believe it was the end of, of 2020 and throughout uh, 2021, we were helping Afghan Christians escape Afghanistan, right? Almost all, m- most of the people that we were helping were Christians. Some were actually Muslims who had helped the United States government when they were there, and they were on the, the uh, hit list of the Taliban. So one Muslim woman and her son had been living in one of the camps that we had in Pakistan. Now, there were 15 camps where we were taking them to. Right? The Taliban had killed her husband because he'd been working with the, go- the, the U.S. government in Afghanistan. Three weeks ago, when she came to the camp, we found out that her three-year-old son was born blind. This Muslim woman told us that she had no peace in her heart and she wanted to end her life, to commit suicide. So he gave her the audio Bible. I've got one right here. It's a little solar-powered audio Bible, right? And it it only does one thing. It just plays the Bible, right? So we gave her one and she was listening to it. So we gave her that audio Bible. She listened. She started listening to the Bible, and she loved it. Two days ago, she was listening to the Gospel of John, chapter 9. Jesus heals a man born blind. As she's listening, her three-year-old son instantly receives his sight. Instantly. You say, what is that? I'll tell you what that is. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What God has done, he wants to do again. When we hear what God's done, it should build faith. But more than that, I really believe it releases an anointing to receive what we hear about. And it's true when we read the Bible, but it's also true when you hear a testimony from somebody that you know. What God has done is a testimony of what he wants to do. I tell you, I am looking forward to the testimony service tonight because I believe we're not just going to hear what God's done. We're going to watch God do again what he's done. And on July the 17th, 1859, Charles Spurgeon brought a message to his church. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, by the way, great, great English preacher, was called the, the, the Prince of Preachers. 
um, from an early age, I believe he was 17 years old when he went to London, in a matter of a couple years, he had a congregation of 5,000 people, which he held for his entire life, right? But he preached this sermon 163 years ago. I want to quote, when people hear what God used to do, one of the things they say is, oh, that was a very long time ago. He says, I thought that God did it, and he has not changed. He is immutable. He is the immutable God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does that not furnish an argument to prove that what God has done at one time, he can do in another? Nay, I think it more than pushes it a little further and say that what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. Whatever God has done is to be looked upon as a precedent. Let us look with earnestness, seek what God, that God would restore to us the faith of men of old, that we may richly enjoy his grace as they did in days of old. What God did 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, is what he wants to do today. And the spirit, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Wow. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand. You say, well, you preach long. Yeah, but we sang short. <laughs> and, and we did that on purpose. All right. So that we'd have time to pray for the sick this morning. So if you're here this morning and you say, pastor, I would like someone to agree with me in prayer. I'm going to invite you to just come forward right now. Just make your word forward. You say, I, 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 um, I'm believing for healing in my body. And what we're going to do is this. As a whole congregation, we're going to extend our hands and we're going to pray. And then I'm simply going to come by and lay hands on each person. You say, why would you do that? Because the Bible says in Mark 16, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, I believe that the anointing of God is present in this place today to bring healing, to bring health, to bring soundness, to bring deliverance to people that are oppressed. So I'm going to ask everybody to extend your hand and uh, I want you to agree with me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha. You're the Lord, our healer, that you forgive all our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases. We thank you that Jesus himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. And by his stripes, healing was purchased for us. And we thank you we've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of your love. That no sickness, no disease has any right in any believer and we come against sickness and disease that are attacking these bodies. And in Jesus' name, we bind you. And we command you, loose them in Jesus' name. And we loose the healing power of God under their bodies from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. The healing virtue of the Lord Jesus to bring health, healing, soundness, and deliverance. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and bring about redemption in these bodies. We thank you that we are redeemed from the curse. Every sickness written and every sickness not written. And we thank you that the blessing of Abraham comes on us 
in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.